we're going to see this tonight in Judges 4, but Satan can't even use technology to try to outdo God. So go to, go to Judges chapter 4, verse 1. Um, it's great to be back with you guys. Would you guys thank uh, my friends Nick and Jackie for leading us in worship tonight? When I, when I pastored in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Nick was my worship leader uh, for several years. And uh, Nick and Jackie, you probably know some about them. They are both recording artists, uh, Christian recording artists, and uh, do all kinds of things. Nick has led worship at Promise Keepers. Uh, Jackie uh, has uh, a, a call-in radio show that she leads in Nashville, has been an actress. And uh, so I'm just so thankful that they were able to come and lead us in worship tonight. And uh, it was just an incredible joy. And I'm grateful to be back with you guys. Uh, missed you last week. We went to the Outer Banks uh, for vacation with my parents, my three brothers, my three uh, sisters-in-law, and the 14 uh, grandkids that my uh, parents have. And so we had a great time. And my, my younger brother, Paul, uh, he, his family, his uh, in-laws have a house down here. So if you ever see him, just remind him that we played spike ball this week and my twin brother Nathan and I beat him and Tim four to nothing, okay? Four games to zero and we skunked them and uh, so it was a, it was a, it was a good week uh, hanging out with family. We're gonna be in Judges chapter four, verse one here in just a second. I've, I've done this with you before, uh, several months back, but I'll, I'll do it again uh, just to remind us. Um, I'm gonna... I'm going to start quoting. I'm not going to sing it, okay, because I'm, I'm not like Nick and Jackie, you know, so I'm not going to sing, but I'm going to start quoting uh, a song, and if you know the song, then you just kind of go along with me, okay? This is a story all about how my life got flipped upside down, so I'd like to take a minute. Okay, and so in West Philadelphia, born and raised, on the... It's been most of my Max and relaxing, all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys started making, my mom got scared. Okay, so that's the yeah, great job. There's so many people who just do a great job. That's the theme song to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And that show, this, this makes me feel so bad. That show started 31 years ago. And many people in our congregation know every single word of that theme song. You know why? Because songs are powerful. Songs are incredibly significant and powerful because they're easy to remember they teach us things, they inspire us, they encourage us when we are in tough times. Songs are incredibly powerful. And here's one of the problems that we have when it comes to modern Christianity and modern preaching and teaching is that so many preachers and so many pastors think that what we really need is how-tos. And so, so many pastors and so many sermons, you go to your Christian bookstore, you're going to see so many books on how-tos. How can you be a better husband? How can you be a better wife? 
How can you be a better mom? How can you be a better dad? How can you be a better friend? How can you be, be a better money manager? You're going to see all of these how-to messages, and that's what we think we really need. And we don't think that we really need deep theology, and we don't really think that we need Christ-centered messages. We, as, as the worship leaders told us this earlier, that everything is pointing us to King Jesus. We think that we need messages that don't point us to King Jesus, that actually point us to lists of how we can be better at this or how we can be better at that. And when we get deep theology and when we get Christ-centered messages, oftentimes the reaction that we want to have is, you know what, that's cool, that's great, but how's that going to help me because I got to get the kids to practice on time. Work is boring. There's bills that are piling up, and so those things are cool, but how does it really help me in my life? But here's the deal. If you read the Bible... The Bible doesn't really give us how-tos. The Bible over and over and over again gives us stories and songs about how God saves his people. It gives us stories and songs about how God is merciful to his people. And so we're going to see here tonight in Judges chapter 4 that we need to learn to sing worship songs. It's vitally important for us that we learn to sing worship songs. Judges chapter 4, verse 1. In preparation for our study, we're going to read down uh, through verse 21, and we'll read selected verses. If you would, please stand to your feet out of reverence for reading the words of God. We'll start there in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be, uh, I think, on the screen. If we've got, yeah, technology's back. All right. Judges 4, verse 1. This is the word of God. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after he had died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and from the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, has separated from the Kenites the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses. 
and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zanaim, which is near Kadesh. Go down to verse 16. And Barak, Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagoyim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Azor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. This is an incredible story, an incredible text. Okay, again, it fits well with our VBS theme. <laughs> and... Uh, what you have in this story, again, I'll remind you, you'll see a, a picture on the screen. In the book of Judges that we've been walking through, there's a cycle, which is actually a spiral down for the nation of Israel. Uh, the people of Israel sin by committing idolatry. God judges them by enslaving them to a foreign people here, the Canaanites. The people then repent and cry out to God, and then he raises up for them a savior, a judge, who rescues them and gives them rest until the judge dies and they repeat the cycle again. Here Israel does what is evil. God gives them into the hands of the Canaanites who are led by a king named Jabin who has a wicked henchman named Sisera that is kind of uh, oppressing the people on behalf of Jabin. And they oppress uh, the people of Israel for 20 Years. This is the longest oppression that the people of Israel have faced thus far in the book of Judges. And then Israel cries out to the Lord for rescue. And one of the reasons why Jabin and Sisera are able to oppress the people of Israel and are able to subdue them is because they have 900 iron chariots. Okay, so they are... They are superior in terms of their military technology. In fact, in the song that is in chapter 5, which we'll look at here in just a second, we see that the people of Israel really don't have any weapons, that the Canaanites took their weapons away from them, and they have to use farming implements and those kinds of things. And so they don't have weapons, and they certainly don't have the, the vastly superior weapons of a chariot that the Canaanites have. The song tells us that Deborah sings that travelers in Israel avoided the highways and kept to the side roads because when they would travel down the highways, they would be oppressed by the Canaanites. Their crops were taxed heavily. Their young women were preyed upon by the people of Canaan, and they didn't have any weapons. So imagine this. You're a farmer who is enlisted into an army who has to go against chariots. It's kind of like having a BB gun going up against tanks. That's what's happening here in this story. It's impossible, right? 
But this story shows us that God reveals his strength in our weakness. And God delights to save his people. And so the text tells us he raises up a mother in Israel, a woman named Deborah, who's the only female judge that we see throughout the book. She's kind of a a new Eve figure, and she is going to be used by God. Her prophecy and her inspiring the army of Israel is going to be used by God to crush the head of their enemies. And so this story is really important because contrary to what some people say, the Bible is very pro-woman. Okay, The Bible uh, lifts up women as equal with men in terms of image bearers of God and, and people that God uses in his battle against his enemies for his glory. Women teach, serve, impact, influence in all the same ways as men. The only thing that women are excluded from in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the office of priest in the Old Testament, the office of elder in the New Testament. But God uses women in all of these, all of these ways. And what we see here in this story is God elevating women and God giving a slight rebuke to the men in Israel who are being passive, like Barak. Uh, When Deborah tells him, come and muster your forces and go against the Canaanites because God is, she's a prophet, okay? And she's telling him what's going to happen. She says, God is going to give them into your hands. And Barak is reluctant and he's hesitant to follow the word of the Lord. And he says, no, no, only if you go with me. And so there's this, this slight rebuke of male passivity here in Judges chapter 4. Barak hesitates because he has weak faith. But we see eventually he goes against all odds and he musters his forces together and he goes against the Canaanites. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, Barak is praised as a man of faith. And that's really encouraging to me that you don't have to have strong faith. You don't have to have big faith, even little faith. Faith that's the size, as Jesus says in the New Testament, the size of a mustard seed. God will use it and God will bless it. And that's why we need to pray over and over again what we see in the New Testament. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. And God uses our faith to enlist us in his army to do things that we would never be able to do on our own. And so eventually he goes and he brings the army against Sisera, but Deborah tells him, okay, so uh, God's gonna give the glory to a woman. The glory is not going to go to you. Now this is, again, elevating women, and it's also a humiliation to Sisera, okay? So let's just... Let's just go where the Bible tells us, okay? The Bible's not politically correct, all right? And the Bible's not trying to help you in your feelings, okay? What the Bible's doing here, I remember when I was a kid, I watched a movie that I loved called Sandlot, The Sandlot. You guys, anybody ever seen that movie? Okay, great movie, all right? And one of the biggest cut downs in that movie is when these two baseball teams are facing off And the one says to the other, you play ball like a girl. And the guy's like, what did you say? You heard me, right? And so that's that's what's happening here. Like this is, is again, not politically correct, but it's saying, look, uh, God typically, 
uh, not God, just humanity in general, typically, men are stronger. Men are the ones who wage war and wage battle. And God says, no, no, I'm going to give the glory to a woman here because I delight to do what is unlikely. And I delight to use the weak to shame the strong. And I delight to use the fools to shame the wise. And so that's what God is doing here in Judges chapter 4. And so the battle is about to happen. As we read there, there's a, what seems like a really weird parenthesis, okay? So there's this battle about to go on between the Israelites and the Canaanites. And then there's this parenthesis, hey, there's this guy named Heber, who's a Kenite, that moved away from his relatives and moved up into the north and had this alliance with Jabin the Canaanite. And so it just seems like this really weird kind of aside. And, but it was showing us that this guy Heber had rejected God's uh, people, the, the, the tribe of Judah, had been kind to Moses' parents, the Kenites, okay, and had, had given them cover and protection, those kinds of things. And so uh, this guy, Heber, rejects the grace that God had given to his ancestors and moves away from the protection of the Lord. And we're going to see here, just as Deborah has to step in for Barak when he's not willing to fight, now Jael, the wife of Heber, has to step in for her husband and do what the Lord's calling her to do rather than what her husband wants her to do because he formed a, an alliance with the people of Canaan against the people of God. And so that becomes important later in the story. Now what happens is they go out to war and the Lord routes Sisera. And the way he does this, we, we, we figure this out in the song in chapter five, is that God brings a storm down, such a violent storm that it causes the Kishon River to flood, which then entraps the chariots so they're stuck in the mud and cannot move so the tactical advantage is taken away from the Canaanites and the people of Israel then rout the people of Canaan and so God is the one who gives his people the victory and it says not a man is left they wipe them all out but Sisera escapes and he escapes to Jael's tent now now, there's a lot of things going on. Don't have time to get into all of it. Um, he goes to Jael's tent, probably, again, uh, Heber the Kenite, who's married to Jael, and Jabin, the king of Canaan, are in an alliance, okay? They have a, a peace treaty. And so he thinks going to this house is a safe place to be. Now, there's questions about, and we'll get into it, especially since we have the kids in here, exactly what Jael and Sisera do. Okay, not going to get into that, all right? But what happens is uh, he comes in, he wants to take a nap. She gives him a warm glass of milk so he can help, help him go to sleep. He thinks he's safe and at ease. And then she takes a tent peg. Again, man, this is incredibly graphic, all right? Takes a tent peg, sets it up on his temple, takes a mallet, and crushes his head into the ground, all right? And then defeats Sisera, this evil henchman, and the Canaanites are subdued before Israel. And God uses a woman to crush the head of his enemy. And this is a, a glimpse, this is a foretaste 
of what the Bible says all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. What does the Bible say in Genesis 3? When Satan moves and tempts Adam and Eve and they rebel against God and sin and death enter into human existence, God says, listen, there's coming a day when the offspring of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And we see a glimpse of that here in Judges, that this woman is used by God to crush the head of his enemy and to give his people rest. Now here's what that teaches us. It teaches us that we need to learn to sing worship songs. I'll show you why that's important here in just a second. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, I don't care who writes the theology books if you'll let me write the hymns. I don't care who writes the theology books if you'll let me write the hymns. And after God gives the people of Israel victory over the Canaanites, Deborah writes a song, a praise song to the Lord, glorifying him for what he had done for Israel. And that's what we see in chapter five, okay? So I just wanna read a few verses of it just to see, so you can see what she says, uh, starting in chapter five, verse 24, and going down through the end of the chapter. Okay, this is the part of the song that she writes, and you'll see this on the screen. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank. He fell, he lay still. Between her feet, he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answered. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil? A womb or two for every man? Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera, spoil of dyed materials embroidered, two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. I want to show you just four things and we'll just go very quickly, okay? Four things, four reasons why we need to sing worship songs. Number one, songs inspire. Songs inspire. They inspire us to trust and obey the Lord. What happens in this song is Deborah praises the tribes of Israel who engaged in the fight, and she curses those who disengaged from the fight. And so this song is meant to inspire those who hear it and those who sing it to be those who engage, to be those who are involved in what God is doing. We see in this song, Deborah tells us that there are those who loved their lives and lost it, and there were those who risked their lives and saved it. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us in the New Testament. And this song is meant to inspire us 
to trust God and therefore obey God, get out of our comfort zone and engage in the work that he has called us to engage in. And so songs are meant to cause us to get off the sideline, get out of the stands and get into the game. And so I don't care who you are, where you are, if you are an elementary school kid or you're a retiree, God wants you to get off the sideline and to serve in his army and to do what he is calling you to do. Not only that, we see, as I just read, this song is, is kind of savage, really, on Deborah's part because she's trash-talking Sisera's mom, right? Like, first of all, Sisera's a mama's boy, all right? And so no matter how, like, violent and, and strong he looked like, he's a mama's boy. And so she sings in the song, and she's imagining Sisera's mom standing out on the balcony of their palace, looking down the road and saying, why is he taking so long? I, I thought he would be back by now. I mean, again, this is very savage because you think about being a mom of a soldier, being an army mom, and wondering, why am I not hearing anything? Why is there no news? Why, like, and Deborah's imagining, look, she's standing out there, and she's wondering why he's taking so long, and then Sisera's girlfriends come up, and they say to her, and the text says, she kind of says to herself, they give all of these, like, grandiose reasons why it's taking him so long. And they're like, well, it's taking so long because they're dividing up the women. And because he really wants to bring you something pretty, and so they're, they're dividing up the treasures that they've taken from the Israelites, and so that's why it's taking so long. And it's, the song says as she kind of like placates herself, she's like, yeah, you're right. That's why it's taking so long. But, but he's late because he's late the way that we talk about metaphorically like he's he's dead and he's not coming back and God is is using this to mock his enemies and to bring glory to himself you say well that that seems savage but again think about it this way if you're an Israelite whose wife or daughter had been preyed upon by this man and now the tables have turned and he's gotten what he deserved. And so they sing this and it's meant to inspire you to action. Here's what the, the, the justice of God, the vengeance of God on his enemies is meant, the Bible tells us, to inspire us and to drive us to do good to our enemies and to forgive them and to love them. There's a theologian in uh, Eastern Europe who says it this way. I think it's important for us to uh, understand. He said, only those who believe in divine wrath can forgive. Refusing to retaliate requires belief in divine vengeance. This notion may be unpopular in the West, but imagine talking to those whose villages have been pillaged whose wives and daughters have been raped, whose young men have been slaughtered. The only way to prevent violence by us 
is to insist violence is only legitimate when it comes from God. I love this line. It takes the quiet of the suburbs to birth the idea that the only way humans will be nonviolent is if they believe in a God who refuses to judge. In a land soaked by innocent blood, that idea would die. If God were not angry at injustice and didn't make a final end of violence, he would not be worthy of worship. The skeptics think that belief in God, belief in a God who judges, will make us judgmental and violent. But the reverse is true. If we have been truly wronged, the only way to refuse payback is, we, is if we have a strong conviction that God will eventually put all things right. And so songs inspire us to do what God has called us to do. Second, songs teach us. Right, we use songs to teach. We use songs to teach children the ABCs. We use songs, as we've seen in Vacation Bible School, we use songs to teach children the great truths of the faith. I mean, I, I can, um, like, so many people in churches don't know the Bible really well, but there are songs that, there are stories that are based on, you know, that are used in songs that you do know. So, like, if I were to tell you about Zacchaeus, Everybody in the room would know that he was what? A wee little man. Okay? Why? Because songs teach us. They help us to remember. And that's one of the ways. We talked about one of the issues in the judges is that the people of Israel did not pass the faith on generation after generation. And so that's why Deborah writes this song is because songs help us pass down the faith generation after generation. That's why all of us know that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, because we pass on the faith through songs, and that's what he's doing here. That's what Deborah's doing here, and she's poking fun at the Canaanites, because the Canaanites worshiped Baal, who was supposed to be the storm god, and yet God overthrew the Baal-worshiping Canaanites with what? A storm. And so they're, they're teaching, not just songs, not just meant to inspire, not just meant to praise, but to teach. All those other gods that you can worship are false gods, and he's the one true God. And so you need to worship him. And so we need to sing songs to teach, to teach us. As we uh, sang earlier, just I mean, how great God is. Or you think about songs that, that we grew up singing about, like it is well, like my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Like we need to be reminded, it's not about our works that commends us to God. It's about what God has done for us. Number three, songs encourage. Songs are meant to help us in tough times and to remind us it's not always going to be like this. And that's what this song is meant to do. Listen, no matter what you've come through with the Canaanites, God is gonna have the victory on the other side. And I can tell you this, I'm gonna move, move quickly, but I, as a pastor, one of the things that is, has been incredibly uh, impactful to me is going into the hospital room of people who are dying with Alzheimer's who can't even recognize their spouse and can sing every single word of how great thou art from memory. 
And let me just tell you again, there's so many people in this room who are young and, and like that, that seems like a foreign idea to you. You need to learn to sing worship songs because there may come a day in your life or in the life of your wife or your husband or your children where there's nothing else that you can do. But hold on to those songs that encourage you. Listen, it's not always going to be like this. And God is going to bring the victory and he's going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. And so songs encourage. And lastly, songs praise. Deborah wrote this as a victory song of praise to the Lord. And it, it mirrors, if you look earlier in the Bible, God rescues his people and destroys the iron chariots of Egypt at the Red Sea. And then Moses sings a song. Here God rescues his people and destroys the iron chariots of Canaan. And then Deborah sings a song. And songs are ways to celebrate and to praise God for what he has done for us. And so we need to learn to sing songs. Because what we do in this room on Saturday night and what we did with our children this week in Vacation Bible School is way more important than you realize. Singing songs is not filler until we get to the Word of God. It's singing the Word of God back to Him. Singing songs is not just some silly thing that people do because we, you know, we like to be silly and we like to have fun. Singing songs is what God uses to bring glory to Himself and to change His people on the spot. And so let's learn to sing worship songs because they inspire us to do what we could never do on our own. Because they teach us deep truths about God. Because they encourage us. It's not always going to be like this. And because they bring glory and praise to our Father. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a couple songs. Here's what I want to challenge you with. As we get ready to stand up and sing, there's going to be pastors here at the front. And if you have a decision that you need to make tonight, whether it's to give your life to Jesus for the first time, whether it's you need to be baptized and to follow him in obedience, whether it's you need somebody to pray over you because you are going through a tough time and you need to be reminded it's not always going to be like this. Maybe you need to join with a church where you're going to be encouraged and inspired and, and, and be part of a group that's pushing back against the darkness. Whatever it is that God is laying on your heart, whatever it is that God is calling you to do, this is the time for you to respond. This is the time for you to obey and to listen to the voice of the Lord. And so whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I pray you'd be sensitive and obedient to that. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to recognize how important what we're about to do is. And that you would use these songs to inspire us, to teach us, to encourage us, to bring glory to your name, and to change us on the spot to be the people that you want us to be. Father, help us to be a people of praise because you say, you are enthroned on your praises and you crush your enemies under your feet. So God, may we bring you glory right now. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing together.